Thank you, and thanks be to God. We look to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, your word, not mine. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And a sword shall pierce your own soul also. Well, that certainly spoils the party. <laughs> Suddenly, a joyous occasion is turned into a somber, foreboding one with these heavy words spoken to Mary by Simeon. Going up to Jerusalem was usually a joyous and festive event, especially on one of the great pilgrimage holy days, Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. They traveled by foot or by pack animal. It was dry, dusty, uphill, and winding, but still joyous. By this time, however, the journey of Mary and Joseph and their child was not one of the great holy days. It was a special family event. It was 40 days after the birth of Jesus of Nazareth and 33 days after he was circumcised. It was the time when Mary could come out of the quarantine that was imposed upon her by the Mosaic law. She could even now enter the temple. And adding to the joy, it was the time when Jesus could be dedicated to the Lord as the law required. Everything was according to custom. Parents did this with their children all the time. Jesus could not have been the only child born in Judea 40 days ago, so the temple that day could have been filled with dozens of couples with their screaming male children. Even though it was a special occasion for the family involved, it was still so ordinary. And it was as everything was expected to be. It was expected to be, well, uneventful. It was an uneventful event. And that was fine for Mary and Joseph. After all they had been through, they would have liked nothing better than to perform the ceremony of dedication and go back to Nazareth with no drama. But it seemed like drama just followed this family around. It all started with this bombastic announcer guy who came out of nowhere while Mary was just minding her own business in Nazareth to tell her that she was going to have a child. He even told her what the child's name was going to be. If Zachariah the priest mentioned him to his wife Elizabeth, and Elizabeth then mentioned him to her kinswoman Mary, then Mary would have finally found out that, that he was the archangel Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. 
And then there was the pregnancy itself, which did not follow any of the rules and all the commotion that caused. Then about nine months ago, there was the journey to the hill country of Judah to see her kinswoman, Elizabeth, who also had a miracle pregnancy. And then there was the hard journey to Bethlehem because Augustus Caesar decided that he just had to have an empire-wide enrollment. The inns were packed. No rooms were available. And wouldn't you know it, it was at that time that the baby decided to be born. Drama. Plenty of drama. More drama than they wanted. And we're not even going to get into Matthew's version of these events. That is more drama than we can handle. I can almost read their minds. If only we can get in and get out of the temple with no more drama. But no, just as we're about to do what we came here to do, here comes Simeon. He's described as a righteous man, a devout man, who is looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was a watcher. He was watching for the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death until he had seen the Christ of the Lord. All of a sudden, an ordinary day in the temple was about to go out the window. A God thing was getting ready to happen. God things happen all the time in the lives of God's people. But warning, God things tend to be disruptive. They tend to interrupt the normal flow of things. They can be unsettling. They can introduce drama into an otherwise dramaless situation, and they can change the course of your life. The Bible has a name for these God things. That name is apocalypticies or revelations, as they are called. The problem is not so much the revelations, it's how we respond to the revelations. Because they are so disruptive, we tend to look at them as disruptors. <laughs> because they interrupt the flow of things, we tend to treat them as interruptions. And because they introduce drama, we tend to treat them as chaos. But there are other ways of responding to apocalypses or revelations. We can treat them as opportunities to learn something. We can treat them as occasions to receive blessing. We can treat them as an opportunity to hear God's voice. And we can treat them as the gift of a new direction and a new life. The gospel writer Luke gives us our best example of someone whose life was interrupted by revelation some 40 years later from the time of this scene in the temple. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was on the road to Damascus, on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. But there on the Damascus road, he was knocked 
to the ground by a binding light, and, and he heard a voice out of the light saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul said, who are you, Lord? The voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. On that day, Saul the persecutor became Paul the apostle. Now, it's not quite that dramatic in the temple with Mary and Joseph and the child, but it was disruptive. Keep in mind, Mary and Joseph were preparing to make the customary sacrifice for their firstborn son. According to the law, they were supposed to offer a lamb and a turtle dove, a lamb for the burnt offering, a turtle dove for the sin offering. And if they could not afford a lamb, they were to offer two turtle doves, one for the burnt offering and the other for the sin offering. Mary and Joseph could not afford a lamb, so they were going to offer the two turtle doves. But Simeon interrupted the whole process. When he saw Mary and Joseph and the child Jesus, he came up to them and took the child in his arms. I don't know about you, but where I come from, you just don't walk up to somebody and take their baby <laughs> from them. Clearly, they were not from Los Angeles. What's interesting here is that there was no protest. There was no resistance on the part of Mary and Joseph. There was no fear. Something was happening here. Revelation was happening. And Mary and Joseph were bearing witness to it. Simeon said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have revealed in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to thy people Israel. And the scripture said, his father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. And this was not the first time that marvelous words were spoken over this child. About 40 days ago, there were those shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night on the outskirts of Bethlehem who came out of the field while the child was lying in an animal feeding trough so that they, that they had turned into a cradle. They, they, they came with their report of angels and what the angels said, things that Mary kept in her heart and pondered. Mary and Joseph had to know that there was something special about their child. But even though they heard words like Son of God, Savior, Christ, Lord, they still did not understand what all of this was about. They did not know where all of this was headed. Even when Anna the prophet spoke of him to all were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem, it was still not clear what in the world were these two prophets talking about. There was a holy fuzziness about the whole thing. It raises a question as we follow this story. Can you deal with the fuzziness? As I look back over my seminary, day, my seminary days, and for that matter, my college days, there is one word that describes my state of being during that whole pilgrimage. 
fuzziness. There was a lot of drama too, but the fuzziness outmeasured the drama. I was not sure where I was headed. I was disappointed by what I had heard and saw. I was not happy with some of my choices. I had plenty of problems, but no answers. I was frustrated and overwhelmed, and worst of all, I couldn't pay my MasterCard bill. Fuzziness. But what I learned from Mary and Joseph, and especially from Mary, is not to fret the fuzziness. In fact, I learned from Mary of Nazareth to embrace the fuzziness. Just because you are fuzzy does not mean you are lost. The fuzziness is part of the process. God can reveal himself in the midst of fuzziness. It is what Simeon said and did next. I was truly ex extraordinary because Simeon takes us to the other side of fuzziness. No, he did not dispel the fuzziness. No, he did not get rid of the fuzziness. He just took us to the other side of it. It was when he blessed Mary and Joseph and said to Mary, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel. In other words, those who reject him will be lost and those who accept him will be saved. He will be a sign that is spoken against. In other words, he will be attacked, defamed, slandered, and falsely accused. And, and here's where things get really heavy, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Simeon means that the sword of heartbreak when, when Mary sees her own son abused and bloodied and then nailed to the cross. And finally, Simeon says, thoughts out of many hearts will be revealed. In other words, everyone will be forced to make a decision about what they will do with Jesus. Even right now, we must make a decision about what we will do with Jesus. These were heavy words that Simeon spoke to Mary. Heavy words can be crushing. This is the weight of the world on your shoulders kind of stuff. What is interesting about Mary of Nazareth is that she had more than her fair share of heavy words. The words of the archangel Gabriel were heavy words. The words of her kinswoman Elizabeth were heavy words. The words of Simeon were heavy words. The words of Anna the prophet were heavy words. The problem with heavy words is that heavy words can be crushing. If you are the first in your family to graduate from college and certainly the first to attend seminary, that is heavy. If you're married, being a husband is heavy. Being a wife is heavy. If you're single, being single is heavy. That's heavy. If you have a job interview, that's heavy. If you just lost a job, that's heavy. If you're starting a relationship, that's heavy. If you just lost a relationship, that's heavy. In all these situations, family and friends and even some non-friends have laid some heavy words upon you. Some of it you wanted, some of it you'd rather not have heard. The problem with heavy words is that heavy words can be crushing. But only if you choose to stand beneath them. If you choose to stand on top of them, heavy words can perform a different function. They can be stepping stones. They can be elevating. They can be a strong foundation. They can provide you strong support. This is the great example of Mary and Nazareth. From the very beginning, she received the heavy words she heard, not as a burden, but as a foundation. Remember Luke 1.35, the words of Mary to the archangel Gabriel, Behold, 
I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me just as you said according to your word. I look ahead 36 years later from this scene in the temple in chapter 1 of the book of Acts. Mary is there in Jerusalem in the upper room. She is with the 11 surviving apostles. She is surrounded by 120 eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Could it be because she herself was an eyewitness to the resurrection of her own son? Luke does not come out and tell us, but one thing is clear. One thing is clear. Mary survived the sword that pierced her soul. There was no more fuzziness. Now she knows what Simeon was talking about. Now she knows what Anna was talking about. In fact, she now knows more than what they were talking about. The expectations that others impose upon us, they can be well-intentioned, but many times they can be oppressive. They can produce anxiety. They can introduce imposter syndrome. They can make us feel unsure about ourselves. They can be paralyzing. They can be crushing. But Mary of Nazareth did not have that problem because she did not operate according to the expectations that others had of her. Instead, she had her own expectations, higher expectations, not of herself, but of God. She expected God to be in control of her life, and she expected God to do what he said he would do in her life and the life of her son. What did Gabriel say to Mary? He said, with God, there is nothing impossible. Advent is about expectation. Advent is about revelation, but yes, but it is also about expectation and about anticipation, all surrounding the birth of Jesus. But the expectation and anticipation does not end with the birth of Jesus. Instead, the expectation and anticipation increases with the birth of Jesus. It's because the birth of Jesus, because of that, we have a sense that something more is coming. Something else is getting ready to happen. Of course, we know what did happen because we have the Gospel of Luke and three other Gospels. But what does it mean for your journey? The Christian journey is full of fuzziness and some drama. But here is what we pick up from Mary of Nazareth. The point of Advent is not to escape the fuzziness. The point of Advent is not to escape the drama. The point of Advent is to receive and submit to the one who has arrived. Receive and submit to the one who has come. His name is Jesus. Jesus will walk with you through the drama and the fuzziness he will be with you even when the sword pierces your soul. And he will reveal his purpose to you. So don't get wuzzy because you're fuzzy. <laughs> Trust Jesus and he will see you through. 
Thanks be to God. Amen.